I did not do the thing I'm accused for. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not do the thing I'm accused for. I did not. Oh, hi, Shady. Today's movies, Minority Report versus Paycheck. It's Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere? From two movie aficionados. Tom Cruise jumped on my car during the action scene and I got shot during Ben Affleck's escape from in the train station, otherwise known as John. And with me is my co-host and part-time reverse engineer and full-time psychic, Shady. <laughs> Shady. Wait, do I have to shave my head? Uh, No. No, because she's growing her hair out at the end. No, but I'm I'm thinking like a tight bun to make it mm. look like you don't have hair. Mm. Yes, but then I'll take it out and it'll be uh, Uma Thurman's. Um. We need to <laughs> we need to put all the barrettes in your hair then. <laughs> all okay. the barrettes in the world need to go into yeah. your hair once. Let's release okay. The, release that the look. That look is ridiculous, but her hair in the entire movie is ridiculous. What did they do to her? Were they trying to make her seem like a homely nerd? And they were like, well, she's Uma Thurman, so all we can do is give her ugly hair. And she's a six foot something glamazon. Yeah. Um, Whatever. (laughs) uh, they, They were just like that wig on the floor in the corner that has a little mold in it. Yes. It's, I think, uh, what did I, what did I describe it to you as a worn out toothbrush? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like. Uh, here's a friendly reminder to our listeners that you're supposed to really re- replace your toothbrush after four months of use or something, or else it'll look like Uma Thurman's hair in this movie. Without the barrettes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Shady and I decided to have fun with Philip K. Dick movies. Hooray. Dick's out for Philip K. Dick. Dick, 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 <laughs> dick. So we're looking at two movies. Minority Report came out in 2002. It is written by Scott Frank and John Cohen, based off a short story by Philip K. Dick, as I said. Um, and it's directed by... Steven Spielberg, which I think this is his first time on the pod. I know, I believe you're correct. We might have him in future episodes, but, but I believe Spielberg, this is. Welcome to the family. I'm so sorry that we picked this one as your first entry. <laughs> this one has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 90% fresh. Wow. Yeah. And on Metacritic, it got an 80 out of 100. That's out of 37 critic reviews. 34 of them were positive. Three were mixed. So that's 91% positive. Wow. And um, what, what was the highest score? 100. Um, Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle and Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times both gave it a perfect score. Roger Ebert? What the hell is wrong yeah. with you? You're all over the place <laughs> on our podcast. And according to IMDb, in a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. Yeah, mm-hmm. that happened. Yeah. And we go to Paycheck. <laughs> Came out in 
2003. It is written by Dean Georgiaris. I hope I'm saying that name right. I mean, it's unknowable. With with our with my track record, no. <laughs> <laughs> Again, with a short story by Philip K. Dick, and it's directed by John Woo. Hello, John Woo. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome as well. to the pod. The inimitable John Woo. Uh, John Woo. Um, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, it has the perfect score of 27% splat rating. And on Metacritic, <laughs> That's too low. Come on. And on Metacritic, it has a 43 out of 100. That makes more sense to me. <laughs> so that's out of 34 critical reviews seven of them were positive okay 19 were mixed and eight were negative so there were almost as many people who thought this was a good movie as people who thought this was a bad movie wait until you read this imdb credit uh (laughs) because according to imdb what seemed like a breezy idea for an engineer to net him millions of dollars leaves him on the run for his life and piecing together why he's being chased. I that's think that's poetry. what... Yeah. <laughs> also, for the record, I think that's what happened. I'm also not entirely sure because my senses were so tickled by every, every, every little detail of this movie. So, that I couldn't even pay attention to the story. So fun fact. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to, I saw this movie in theaters. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so day. jealous of you. I'm so I, jealous of you. I went with my dad, uncle, and cousin. After the movie, we were ripping it a new asshole because we were just <laughs> like, that was awful. <laughs> and then we went to a diner and that diner was surprisingly shitty. And we were just like, what the? <laughs> fuck is going on this day <laughs> and that was it that, that's all that really happened but like yeah. I saw this in theaters so when when you have the watch that says go 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 we, <laughs> uh, I um I watched watch. this last night I guess technically this morning at like 1 a.m <laughs> which I think was the exact perfect uh circumstance to watch this movie a little tired you know yeah yeah so, um get home yeah, if you're watching it earlier in the night where you're not that tired yet, have a few drinks, get yourself a little drowsy. <laughs> Maybe a little drunk. <laughs> <laughs> by drowsy, she means a little hammered. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so also, I don't know if our listeners can tell yet, but we kind of love this movie. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> um, it's okay, but it's not like super fun. We'll get to it in Final Fantasy. <laughs> okay. We're jumping the gun. Okay. Right now we have to create our verbal Venn diagram. Ooh, ah, 20 episodes in, Shady. Let's do it. Money, money, money. Must be funny in the rich man's world. John, so, can you please start this? Because I don't know where to begin. Um, I try. I'm going to try. Okay. <laughs> I tried to like get like a nice boiled down plot that mm-hmm. because watch I recently rewatched Paycheck and I was just like this is like minority report because a man is accused of a crime and has to prove his innocence. Yeah. The police so, 
yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So it's, yeah, they're both the fugitive, the fugitive, but science fiction. But science fiction. And, Futuristic and, kind of. And possible, I don't really understand what the deal was with the stuff in Paycheck, but I think it was precognition. Well, the police cannot be trusted, but are actually the good guys. That's another thing that happens. Oh, that is. Kind That's of the true. good guys. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, in Minority Report, they're just doing a job, clearly. Mm-hmm. All, the pol- all the his fellow cops, they don't yeah. know that the system is broken. And then and- in Paycheck, like, they're kind of trustworthy, but they also want the future telling mirror. Not the... Um, what is it? But he can see the he can see the future because it's the curvature uh, based on the curvature of the Earth. Somehow, I don't. <laughs> Science happens. That's you just made it make more sense than the movie did, and what you said makes no sense. <laughs> well, I could tell you that in both movies, he learns that he is the problem in his scenario, and in society kind of uh john anderton in minority report like i said they don't know that their system is messed up ben affleck in paycheck literally doesn't know because they remove his uh memory of (laughs) building the the future telling device yeah uh (laughs) you're just like i have keep going i'm intrigued No, I mean, yeah, no, I tried to write down um, the similarities between these movies and what you said is basically all I came up with. And then also, I guess Aaron Eckhart and Colin Farrell are kind of the same character, but not. No, they're not because Colin Farrell is actually the good guy. Right, right. Because he's perceived to be the bad guy. Right, but he is the... At, for most of the movie, the one who is uh, in opposition to Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. But it turns out that he's the one, because he's correct that this is an easily exploited uh, technology that can uh, be used for corruption. I mean, I've got more plot points if you want me to keep going. <laughs> yeah, please keep going. Because <laughs> that's, that's all I came up with is the stuff that you just said. Uh, the protagonist uses his knowledge of the future to his advantage. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with Paycheck is that future Jennings sent past Jennings, Jennings being Ben Affleck, 20 items that he has to figure out somehow to prevent catastrophic things happening. From yeah. The, yes. <laughs> and then also, like the most obvious clue ever that he's hidden money for himself and he doesn't get it until the end of the movie yeah like yeah but he had it he he's so stupid (laughs) i don't understand how this man is an engineer even if he is a reverse engineer it is ben affleck (laughs) uh and then act two i want to say in minority report is when um uh tom cruise steals agatha the precog yes yeah this and, movie has a very long first act yes and then act two is like the action i mean obviously there's a chasing in both of these but like that's <laughs> um i've got i can't wait to get to talk about how well spielberg does action <laughs> and then how um 
John Woo does it. <laughs> Distinctly, John Woo does it because I don't want to say he's bad at it. He just doesn't do it in a way that I think anyone else ever would. So I also have that his love interest is the one that saves him. Mm, yeah. That's okay. a plot. Is that a plot point or a story point? That's a plot, right? That's both. both? Because that, that is a function of the plot. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, male protagonist kills the bad guy, someone he once called a friend. So yes. he's got Rathric, which is Aaron Eckhart's name. And um, crap, what's his name? Max von Sydow. Yes. Uh, and then happy ending with the protagonist and his love interest. Aw, cute. I think I, I think I did it. Yeah. <laughs> there might be more plot points that are similar that like we just didn't pick up on because one of these movies is handled very finely. Um, Steven Spielberg, obviously one of the most successful directors ever out of Hollywood, but also really kind of underrated as a craftsman. Yeah, and the fact that this movie came out in 2002 and it still holds up with today's futuristic movies, 2020s futuristic movies, I'm very impressed. Yeah, Um, it also like predicted stuff that I don't think most people would have predicted in 2002 with a lot of touchscreen technology. And I think like even it's different, but um, when they're on the train and people have the newspapers and the headlines are automatically changing and everything... We kind That's of like have that iPad. already. Yeah, we have iPads that automatically update with new headlines. I'm just waiting for the iDents to come into play. <laughs> uh, but then Paycheck is came out in 2003, but it's set, I want to say, in like an alternate 2004 and 2007. Y- yes, yes. I was very confused because I could not tell if it was supposed to take place when it was made or in the future because it mixed both of those aesthetics together so much in a way that made no sense. Oh, I mean, also Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. (laughs) But um, I've got more comparisons if you want to, if you have more too. Um, Yeah, do yours. The male lead is lacking empathy. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, John is empathetic about his past, obviously. But, I mean, he, he like I've been saying, just does a job. He arrests them right. and doesn't question anything. Right. And even when he does start questioning things and trying to expose the corruption and everything, it's to clear his own name. It's not out of an altruistic motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jennings is in it for the what? Paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, title drop. (laughs) Speaking of title drop, (laughs) they happen. Because that's that's one of the things that I wrote down too. They happen many times in (laughs) both movies. Although I think Paycheck is sooner than Minority Report. Because Minority Report isn't mentioned until... John sees the quote mother of precogs and stuff like that. Yeah, that happens at a around the hour mark. Right. And you know, they just give Jennings his paycheck in paycheck right away. It's brought up in normal conversation, but when they first drop that word, they still do it in such a pronounced way that it's like, hey, 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 that's the name of the movie the we're movie. in. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Um I also have the brain is a powerful instrument. Mm-hmm. 
which that's like a story thing. So I wanted to put it in plot as well, but I was like, not really. Because mm. it's, yeah, important, it's more important plot wise in Minority Report. Right. Than in Paycheck. It's also, that's more of a, a thematic element than anything else where, where it's like the whole thing is just to say the human brain is amazing. And then both movies share an actress. Did you pick up on that? No. Catherine Morris is in bo- both of them. She plays Lara in Minority Report and Rita Dunn, the lawyer at the beginning of Paycheck. The one I that- did not realize that was her. Yep. The same actress, different hair. Right. Because in Minority Report, she's got like a brown hair. And then in Paycheck, she's wearing this ugly yellow wig. <laughs> yellow, not blonde. Yellow. 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 <laughs> the one that she, she's the one that basically rapes him before, before uh-huh. his memory wipe happens. <laughs> oh, man. That made me very uncomfortable early on. <laughs> I was like, I think that's the first point I texted you. Where I was like, um, did this woman insert her own sexual fantasies into Ben Affleck? It was a journey. (laughs) I went on a real emotional journey watching this movie. It's pretty, it's, uh, but that's basically all I have as similarities. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, they have similar aesthetic things, but it's also, a lot of that is just, it's the early 2000s and this is what our vision of the future is going to be, where things are silver and... Uh, Technology is like a big part. I mean, it is a big part these days, yeah. but like in Minority Report, like... Oh, it, it's like giant screens everywhere instead of everybody has a small screen in their pocket. Although, can I just say, I kind of like in Minority Report, the ident uh, yeah. and how they... <laughs> And it's really freaky how, like, when he goes to the Gap and they're like, mm-hmm. would you like more of those jeans that you bought last time? I'm like, ooh, that's where we're going in terms of technology. Yeah, you know, and it's all of the advertisements are, like, addressing people by name. And it's like, oh, cool, because Facebook is selling our personal information to advertisers. So that's true. Right. Instead of um, Apple Wallet, it's going to be iWallet. <laughs> You know, you're going to, um, you're going to be able to scan your eye and your bank account's going to pay for like whatever you just got scanned for. Yeah. Uh, uh, scary. <laughs> but like the technology in paycheck. It, just, it has, it has such an interesting relationship with the technology. I feel like. Yeah. Cause you're, they're driving like at least in minority report they made a new look for cars. Yeah. Right? They actually thought about this is what cars will look like in 50 years. Um, And I think, don't quote me on this, they actually got sponsored by a car company or they had that, was that BMW? Uh, I think it was Lexus. They had, they actually like hired Lexus to like come up with a design. It wasn't like, Steven Spielberg's team. It was like the car company made. Sorry, did I did I trick? No, it's okay. No, it's put a pin in it for special features. We'll put a pin in it. <laughs> but then in paycheck, like they didn't even try. Right. <laughs> you, you have you have this machine that can 
um, literally erase people's memories. Yeah. And then you have somebody building a way to see into the future. Mm-hmm. But... But the buses look like buses. The buses look modern and, like, you're <laughs> driving a regular sedan. like <laughs> Yeah. There were, like, like, the... He's going through, like, a subway or something. And, like, the... The, like, actual... I need to talk about that train for five hours because okay. that train was going so slow. <laughs> right. Outrun it. Uh-huh. And it's it's not, like... It's also just Ben Affleck, who is not particularly fast-looking. No, but that train was going, like, chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-choo-choo, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> He out. He was outrunning it for a while. It's not even like, oh no, he just got lucky that he got such a good head start on it. It's like, no, it just followed at the exact same pace as a human man. Chugga 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 chugga. And I know it's a subway, but it, I, I, ah, uh, that. <laughs> um, there were also like certain things throughout the movie that I'm sure were just easier to replace than like an entire bus but like certain things where I'm like oh that looks more shiny and silver than it should so like I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be in the future or like if they were just living in a very clean place and then like, there her were just certain... lab was so 2000s oh my god <laughs> this movie is an amazing time capsule for the year 2003 I'm... I'm sorry that we're focusing on paycheck, but it <laughs> it needs to be talked about. And yeah. I hope so. We're recording this sometime in advance, and I hope by the time this comes out, how did this get made? Did not cover this movie yet, <laughs> because I want to do it first. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have any more similarities? Or can we get no? I've got a lot of lot of differences. I only have five. <laughs> okay. Because I mean, I also gave up. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of mine too are a little more meta. They're more casting things. They're more editing things. They're more not so much story stuff. Okay, I think I focused on story stuff. So yeah. hooray! I'm so you go first. Piece. Yeah, yeah, you go first. Okay, so we kind of talked about time period. Um, I'll reset. I'll say it again. Uh, Minority Report takes place in 2054 in Washington, D.C. And mm-hmm. Paycheck takes place in 2004 and then in 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's set. Do you know where it's set? I had to stop this movie multiple times to figure out where it's set. I don't know. They mentioned the Red Sox an awful lot. It is set in Seattle, Washington. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want to know how you can find out? How? That scene where he gets the envelope, if you pause it just right, you can get the address and it says something Jennings, street address, Seattle, Washington. Does Seattle look like that? Is that what Seattle looks like? Because that did not read as Seattle to me at all. Alternate reality, 2004 Seattle might look like that. (laughs) Fair enough. John Anderton is in charge of the pre-crime division of the DC police. And then Ben Affleck is a reverse engineer working on new technology and trying to make it better for other companies. So he's ripping mm-hmm. off other technology that exists. Anderton looked look to Lamar as a father figure and a mentor. 
So like I said earlier, uh, comparing them saying that he called him a friend, it was really like a father figure. Yeah. Um, and then Rethrick, Aaron Eckhart, and Jennings apparently were college roommates. Did you know that? No, because they don't say that at all, really. <laughs> uh, I just thought they knew each other because they worked, like, because Ben Affleck's line of work would have run into Aaron Eckhart's line of work. <laughs> yeah, like they have the same social circles and yeah. circles and all that. I, yeah. I don't know. Tom Cruise actually commits the crime, kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of. I mean, who knows who actually pulls the trigger? Right. The murder for which he is accused does actually play out in the way that it was envisioned. Yes. Can we say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say that. Rethrick sets Jennings up. Mm -hmm. Uh, For what? I don't really know. (laughs) It's it's unknowable. This movie is unknowable. Because then all of a sudden the FBI ninja into his, into Jennings apartment and steal him which I'm just like that's a little illegal but okay <laughs> we'll go with it and then lastly Tom Cruise helps destroy the system but the division still stands kind of I mean like the building still exists really yeah Ben Affleck and Uma Thurman literally destroy the feature telling machine and the lab in the best explosion scene ever it's been a while since we had like a movie of this caliber Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) i'm gonna hot take hot take it's been a while (laughs) a while a while i agree (laughs) i i really needed this movie specifically (laughs) i really needed a movie that was this stupidly entertaining and entertainingly stupid uh, Shady, what do you have uh, in terms of nitpicky differences? Um, well, okay, I guess this started off as a similarity to me, but then um, just the way it's handled is so different depending on the director. They both have a lot of kooky side characters who are just like, I'm a quirky person. I have lots of personality, but I don't really do much. Um, but then it turns out, actually, Paul Giamatti does figure pretty big into Paycheck. I thought he was just going to be in a couple scenes. That's true. Like the drug dealer in Minority Report where you're like, why do you, yeah. why are we so invested in this one person? Yeah. Well, that's like, again, something that Steven Spielberg does. He makes every character or as many characters as possible in all of his movies as big as they can be in as little time as they have and that's like one of his characteristic things that's something that he does all over the place he just has big personalities because he knows they're going to be in this movie for just a short amount of time and he wants to really milk that for all it's worth and that's one of the things that I think he's kind of underrated for I don't think people talk enough about the way he handles side characters and small like bit roles. Um, it's such an interesting thing that he does where most filmmakers would be like, this person doesn't matter. They're getting information out there that we need for exposition and then they're gone. And But you also <laughs> want to remember them and maybe say like right. a weird one minor. What was, what is, what does the guy say? It's like my daddy used to say, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And uh, like the things like uh, the... The nurse with the giant mole on her face. 
Right. And she's introduced this. I was going to put into special features. I'll just say it right now. She's introduced singing a children's song, a Swedish children's song. Steven Spielberg actually wanted her to be singing an ABBA song. But Peter Stormare, who plays the plastic surgeon, said that it would be even weirder if she was singing a song that every Swedish person knows and nobody else knows. So the song she's singing is called, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, because Swedish as a language is wild. It's called Sma Grodorna, which translates to the small frogs. And it's a song that's usually sung on Midsummer Eve parties or in, during Midsummer Eve parties in Sweden. And so Peter Stormare convinced Spielberg that that would be even more surreal than ABBA because nobody would even know what it was. And everybody knows ABBA, obviously. Plus, I think if she's saying ABBA, that would take you out of everything. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. you're just I like, think... ABBA? <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like kind of creepy that she comes in with like this like nursery rhyme. Um, so he, Steven Spielberg does that a lot and we'll probably talk about other movies of his where there are characters who seem like we're going to be really invested in them and then they never appear again. And it's just because he wanted that actor to do something really great for the single scene that they're in (laughs) pretty much. Um, another Spielberg thing that we get is the father son relationship that adds a lot of ink has been spilled about Spielberg and his daddy issues in his movies. <laughs> and uh, it is interesting that in this movie, it is like he just took his eyes off his son for not a even a second and his son was gone. So it was actually technically a failure on him as a father with paycheck there is no real emotional uh, through line at all. And, and I also, I did not read the short story, The Minority Report. I'm pretty sure that that whole subplot was invented for the movie. It was. Huzzah! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Have you read it? I did. I read both okay. of them. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> awesome. You read it so that I didn't have to, because as we all know, I don't know how to read. Let me just say, this might be a similarity then. (laughs) (laughs) Both movie and short story are like night and day. The short story is obviously written in 50s, 60s, whenever he was alive uh, in writing. Uh, And then obviously these were written 50 years. These movies came out 50, 60 years later or something like that. So especially the dialogue and the wording of things, like Mm -hmm. the way that he just the way that people talk about the precogs, they call them idiots and they talk Ooh. down. They don't make them gods, basically. Okay. As they do in this movie. Right. So it's very interesting how they re- flipped it, dipped it and reversed it. Hmm. Yeah, well, that kind of ties into another thing I wanted to say as a contrast between these movies is that I feel like really great sci-fi, what really sets it apart from other genres is that it's really good at exploring ethical dilemmas that are inherent to whatever sort of new technology you're introducing to the world in it. And uh, Minority Report does a great job of that, that really sort of questions the ethics of if we can use precognition, wouldn't you want to stop murders if you could? But then is it ethical to arrest people who have committed no crime? On top of that, if you put it... And this is the main thrust of the movie. If you put the idea that somebody is going to murder somebody into their head, does that automatically set them on the path that leads them to that murder? Right. Um, and it's it does a really great job of uh, handling all of these different dilemmas and um, 
big questions like that. And I think that's part of why this movie was received so well critically. On the other hand, you've got Paycheck, which I don't know if it's asking any real questions or if it's just using that technology to like have a cool story. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that. the mm-hmm. um, If you put that seedling into somebody's brain, because mm-hmm. they do talk about that in Paycheck. That's true. They, they do. do say, well, there's going to be a pen there's going to be a massive disease. Hello, 2020. They talk about these things that could happen and then they right. do Is happen it... because we talked about them potentially happening. Right. So, and it's also, is it, eth- I guess you could say that there is an ethical dilemma brought up with, which is the people who get sick. What if we quarantine them before they ever get sick? That's kind of fucked up though. Right. That's kind or of a like fucked if, up thing to do to sanction off people because they might get sick. Or like there's going to be a war between these two countries and obviously they start fighting because they're what... Right, because now tensions are rising up between them because you mentioned that there's tensions rising up between them. Yes, we're, we're obviously giving this movie a lot more. We are. I mean, that's also that, like... Yeah, that's also like kind of throwaway stuff. That's not like the main thrust of the movie, which is just Ben Affleck trying to prove his innocence, I guess. By proving his innocence, he realizes all this. So he's like, must destroy machine. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's interesting, though, just in terms of them being especially Philip K. Dick, because that's what his version of hard sci-fi really was, was bringing up all of these questions and really exploring what it means to use things in those ways. And is that the moral thing to do? Um, So I think Minority Report really succeeds there, whereas Paycheck um, is more interested. (laughs) They tried. They mentioned it, but they're more interested in the explosions. The action and explosions and then the death. So from there, I want to jump into the actual action and how it's directed. And again, another thing that I think Steven Spielberg is really underrated in, although I think some people would say he's overrated because a lot of people do bring it up, but he's really great at set pieces in a way that's kind of subtle. Um, He uses a lot of long takes and people don't notice them because they're not the type of long takes that go on for five minutes. They only go on for, you know, maybe at most two minutes, maybe close to three minutes, but he uses them a lot, uh, which means that you can really feel and you don't notice them because he's usually moving the camera as well. Or the uh, blocking of the actors is so good and so good at switching the focus between them without having to change the camera angle that you don't even notice that the camera hasn't cut away yet. Sorry, I um, have that that hallway scene in Bad Times now just in my head. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good long take, but like, I'm trying, <laughs> I was trying to think of the, um, the fight at the car company. Yeah. Which, does that one have a long take? That one, I don't think it has the take that ever exceeds one minute, but it almost every take exceeds 30 seconds, which is very long for action filmmaking. That's a lot of action films do very quick cuts. They only, you know, they'll stay for 26 frames, 33 frames. Like they don't even reach a full second. They're cutting before you even reach the second mark. And Steven Spielberg movies don't do that. They actually linger on the full action so that you can actually see the characters interacting with each other instead of inner here's me throwing my hand and then we're going to cut away and we see you reacting to my hand mm. which 
doesn't have as much weight to it because it doesn't actually look like I hit you. Even again, he does it in really subtle ways, but well, the one with the, all the eye spiders in the apartment complex, that's pretty, that's pretty noticeable. Oh, that's the one. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. See, yes. that one's pretty noticeable. Um, uh, but again, going back to the way he uses side characters, we see a lot of people in that uh, sequence that we never see again, but we get a full story from them. Just you, because flesh of the way out, you flesh out there like 15 seconds or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you get like the mother and the fighting couple and stuff like that. And you get a full story about them without ever having to see them for more than a second. The fighting couple where they're, they're just like, blah, 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 blah. Stop because the spider's going to scan your eye. Then the spider leaves. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's also the scene where he has sort of that like back to back with Colin Farrell in the elevator under a minute. It's about 50 seconds, um, a little bit more than that. But it's one long tracking shot. And if you weren't thinking about it in terms of a long take, you wouldn't even notice it because the blocking in that tight space is so good. And the lighting is so good that the characters move in a way that whichever one the camera should be favoring is more in focus in the frame instead of the other one. And it keeps going in that back and forth. Whereas a less skilled director would probably do an establishing shot of the a two shot to establish the two of them together and then close-ups of each of them and cut is, between those. Is this like right before his red ball is announced? Yes. So it's, it's the, it's when uh, Colin Farrell is saying, I found the flaw and then Tom yes. Cruise holds the gun to his neck. Um, so if you watch that scene, it's, it doesn't need to be longer than a minute. Um, it would slow down the movie if it was longer than a minute so it's the correct amount of time but it's still really impressive that for 50 seconds he's able to imitate having different cut angles but only having one single shot the whole time now i want you to talk about john woo and paycheck (laughs) and then john woo and paycheck lots of big flashy explosions lots of quick cuts it's a little more michael bay-ish it's a little more mcu-ish it's a little (laughs) The action doesn't really have a lot of weight because it's just kind of, you see the actors running away from explosions instead of actually interacting with each other. Um, And it's a night and day, really, when you look at like the chase scenes in Minority Report and the chase scenes in Paycheck. So nothing against John Woo, because that's just the style that most action filmmakers go for. Um, and I, he does have his, you know, special little flourishes like the dove. dove Lots thing. of sparks in the explosions. The explosions always have sparks in them, which is interesting. Like, like, like a firework has gone off. So no offense to John Woo. That is not a knock on him. That's really a knock on Hollywood action filmmaking in general versus how somebody like Steven Spielberg handles it with a little more gravitas, if you will. I want to do a quick plug to, there's a really great YouTube channel that I think they've now retired, but it's called Every Frame of Painting. And they did an excellent short video on Steven Spielberg and his long takes. It's called The Spielberg Wonner. So if you've got, you know, 10 minutes or so that you ever want to kill and you want to learn a little bit more about Steven Spielberg, it's a great little video. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, And then my next big thing, which 
I'll, I'll make this the final point I was going to bring up, but I think the contrast in casting Tom Cruise in this type of movie and casting Ben Affleck in this type of movie is astounding, the difference there. Because well, Tom Cruise already kind of establishes himself as right. a action-y person because he's done... Did he do think, two Mission Impossibles already or just one? I think he did two. If he only did the one, then the second one was hot on the heels of Minority Report. Um, and then he's done like Top Gun and those the other ones. And then... Right. Then ben Affleck. Um... <laughs> okay i want to be fair i i have an opinion on tom cruise as a person which is different from my opinion of him as an actor i'll focus on him as an actor for now but um he has it's like a certain type of charisma like a very specific type of charisma where he's really good at playing these sort of otherwise cold roles mm-hmm. where we sh- probably shouldn't feel anything for this character at all but somehow we do. He somehow still gets us engaged and caring about him. Ben Affleck doesn't really have that skill set. No, especially since his character is all about the money. Like, uh, we, can, we can look at Tom Cruise and say that, aside from the stuff with his kid, he's not that sympathetic, but we're still engaged with him. And then Ben Affleck, we're just like, oh, am I supposed to believe you're an engineer? <laughs> Am I to believe that? Okay, great. He is great in certain types of roles. I think he's great in Dazed and Confused, Gone Girl. Uh, I really think he's underrated in movies like Mallrats and Chasing Amy. Um, Dogma. Oh, Dogma. He's really good in that. Um, This type of movie, which is the type of movie star they were really trying to force him into in the 2000s, and it does not work for him at all. No, Like he is. He's got to play either an asshole because he's got a punchable face or he needs to play somebody who's a lot more obviously sympathetic. (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything else that you want to talk about? No, it's all like small petty shit after that. So no. (laughs) That's fine. Let's get into special features. Special features. Each week, we, we take a movie to do further research and uh, find some like fun facts, trivia, and in the hopes of me surprising Shady, which is my never-ending quest. Uh, oh, you'll do it this week. I know nothing about Paycheck. Great. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully to surprise you. So Shady was tasked with Minority Report, and since that movie came out first, the floor is yours. Okay, so going back to, I put a pin in it before, where we talked about Steven Spielberg asking people to help design the future for him. I'm going to read this straight off of IMDb as is, because I'll screw it up if I don't do it that way. Three years before production began, Steven Spielberg assembled a team of 16 future-esque experts in Santa Monica to brainstorm out the year 2054 for him. This team included... Please forgive me if I pronounce people's names wrong. Neil Gershenfeld, professor at the Media Lab at MIT. Sean Jones, director of biomedical research at DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. William Mitchell, dean of the School of Architecture at MIT. 
Peter Calthorpe, the new urbanism evangelist, whatever that really means, I don't know. <laughs> um, Jaron Lanier, one of the inventors of virtual reality technology. Douglas Coupland, author and commentator. Stuart Brand, author, scientist, and co-creator of the Well Online Community. Kevin Kelly, founder of Wired Magazine. Harold Belker, car designer. It doesn't say who it's for. I'm pretty sure it's with Lexus, though. And John Underkoffler, the science and technology advisor for the movie. He also hired a bunch of the world's top contortionists to do that futuristic yoga scene because he figured 50 years in the future, yoga is going to be so advanced that regular people are doing this stuff. So he, uh, he really went all in in trying to predict this future. And I think that's why so much of it is pretty accurate to where we are right now in 2020. Love that he has a whole team and tried really hard because like we said earlier, it feels of the now. Yeah. This because movie it, has aged so well. It, it, it still hasn't aged, I feel like. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. This movie could have been made this year. This movie originally started out in the hands of the small production company, uh, Karokal Pictures. I probably said that wrong. My apologies. They intended it to be a direct sequel to the 1999 movie, or sorry, the 1990 movie Total Recall. No. <laughs> um, reading off of TV tropes this time. Apparently, the movie would have been set on terraformed Mars, where mutants with psychic powers were abducted and used to power the pre-crime system. They even intended to bring Arnold Schwarzenegger back to play Quaid as the main character instead of John Anderton. They apparently had a script written, but then Karolko went out of business and the rights went to 20th Century Fox. It stayed with them for years until finally Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise came on board. Steven Spielberg re had the movie rewritten from scratch and turned it into a standalone movie. I need that movie. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, so I also read a little bit about, I never saw the Minority Report TV series that was on Fox a few years ago. It only lasted for one season. I think it got screwed by the network, like with like time slot changes and stuff like that. Because it seems like it got pretty, pretty solid, like, reviews and stuff. Um, but that one was a continuation of the story, which took place in 2065. And it was about Dash, one of the boy precogs. Um, and it turns out that all of the precogs uh, have still been trying to use their powers to help stop crimes and help save people's lives. And apparently it's a procedural that focuses on him. Dash and his relationship with another detective, uh, Lara Vega, played by Megan Good. Um, I wanted to throw this one in there because we don't talk about actual cinematography a whole lot in this show. And I thought this was really, really interesting. Uh, Janusz Kaminski, again, apologies if I pronounced it wrong. It's a Polish name. <laughs> um, uh, he is the cinematographer that Steven Spielberg works the most with. Uh, they have like a really great uh, career together. And he and Steven Spielberg, before they shot this movie, talked about it. And Spielberg told him that this should be the ugliest, dirtiest movie either of them have ever made. Um, so because he wanted it to look like real gritty and he, he wanted this to be, have like a, a dystopic feel to it just visually so that you know everything's wrong from the beginning, even when things look good. But that's like the exact opposite of what I see. 
so what he did to make it look grimy without actually making it look ugly or visually unappealing, um, he did something which is called bleach bypass. Uh, so in film, one of the chemicals that makes up film is silver salt. Um, and usually you're supposed to bleach it before you mix it into the other chemicals and it helps uh, color saturation and it helps give a sharper image. He bypassed that, that process and that's why it has like this sort of silvery tint to it that mutes all of the other colors. And it also um, ups the contrast. So there's a lot of really stark contrast between the blacks and the whites in this movie. And that's because he did not bleach the silver crystals, silver oh. salt crystals, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, it's, you know, I think he also did the same thing with Saving Private Ryan, but that was to make it look like a memory, which I think is interesting because this movie also is kind of all about memories because... I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're having... They're living out the memories that the precogs have already had. That's true. <laughs> so a stretch. They're, they're finding the echo, the minority yep. report echo. <laughs> That's a memory yeah. kind of. All right. And then uh, I found a lot of interesting stuff on this, but I'll end on this one because I think this is a nice thing. The uh, 20th Century Fox wanted to keep the film's budget under $100 million, so they didn't think that they could pay Spielberg or Cruz to be involved. Um, but both of them wanted to do this movie so badly that they agreed to waive their usual salaries, and instead they each got 15% of the film's gross, which wow. is cool. They really wanted to do this movie. Well, speaking of money... <laughs> Paycheck? Paycheck. <laughs> Ben Affleck earned approximately $15 million. Oh my God. And that's the only reason why he did it. So he did it for the paycheck? He much did it like for the his... paycheck. Oh, well then I apologize for saying he's not great in this movie because apparently he's playing himself. So originally John Woo did not want to, did not want to do his uh, usual Mexican standoff. Mm -hmm. But Ben Affleck begged him to do it. So... We got the dove because of Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Jennings was supposed to be a Mets fan, but because <laughs> Ben is from Boston, he changed it to be a Red Sox fan. <laughs> oh, God. Why not a Mariners fan? I thought this was supposed to be Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows what Jennings' past was? He could have been from Bo Boston. Um, I guess he never sounds like he's not from Boston. That's true. <laughs> also, Ben Affleck won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor that year for this movie. Um, he was presented the trophy on Larry King live and immediately broke it. And then <laughs> that broken trophy sold on eBay and um, whatever the price was of it was enough to pay for the haul for the next year's Razzies. Oh my god. <laughs> Amazing. Matt Damon was originally supposed to be Jennings but turned <laughs> it down because it was too close to the Bourne identity. So there are six actors in this film that have ties to Batman. Oh my god. <gasps> there are. Well there are the three like 
well-known ones, you got Batfleck, Harvey Dent, and Poison Ivy. Michael C. Hall, who we know as Dexter, but yeah. who, by the way, this was his first feature film. He voices Kirk Langstrom, Man Bat, in Justice League Gods and Monsters. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, Colm Fiore, yeah. who plays Wolf, uh, Aaron Eckhart's manservant. He plays Dr. Francis Dullmacher, otherwise known as Dollmaker, in the TV series Gotham. And then Joe Morton, Agent Dodge, uh, is Dr. Silas Stone in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and in Justice League. Uh, So in the book, in the short story, I'm just going to call it a book because whatever. In the book, the machine is called a time scoop. Mm-hmm. where you can still look into the future, but you can literally scoop items. <laughs> Thank you for saying scoop that way. <laughs> scoop! <laughs> <laughs> because he only sends himself seven items, um, mm. a key code, a ticket stub that is from the future. Like a lot of these items are from the future. So that's why he can scoop them out. Um a ticket stub, a parcel receipt, a length of wire, a broken poker chip, a strip of green cloth, and a bus token. And then also the character Rachel is not the name of the female lead. What is uh, the name of the female lead? I don't remember her name. I honestly, I think I was like dozing oh, okay. a little bit while, re- while listening to it. <sighs> okay. It's I mean, just like a weird thing to change. <laughs> Philip, Philip K. Dick stories and books, they get a little boring for me after a while. They make great action movies. They yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like Stephen King with horror, where he can't write horror for shit, but somebody can adapt it into. Yes, I said right. it here, it, and we're keeping this in the podcast. <laughs> I don't like Stephen King's horror. John horror, said it, not me. I don't like Stephen King's horror writing. It's awful, but um, I I do prefer his non-horror writing. I'll admit. Like, I prefer Stand By Me, and I prefer... Green Mile? Green Mile, yeah. Shawshank? I, I, never, I never read Shawshank. I probably should. So that's it for me. Let's get into some final thoughts. We ask ourselves the same five questions, typically, at the end of an episode, to sum it all up. Um, mm-hmm. Shady, can you think of any other movies like these? If the theme is Philip K. Dick adaptation, sure. I mean, there's a million, but a Philip K. Dick adaptation about the future in a way. Like, um, that's what adjustment... preventing things in the future. Right. I mean, there's Adjustment Bureau. Okay. Um, there's got to be another one I'm not Isn't thinking Total of. Is it Total Recall, actually, kind of? I've never actually seen Total Recall. I do... I think that's about... It's a similar like sci-fi fugitive type thing where he is in pl- he he figures I'm pretty sure that's he figures out that all of the memories that he currently has has been implanted falsely and he's a different person than he thinks he is. Yes. Or no, people are telling him like that one is a question of identity, not yeah. so much uh proving your innocence. Okay. I've never actually seen it, so I, I mean, I assume all of them have some similarities just coming from the same man. And then uh, it's not a Philip K. Dick adaptation, but I think the movie Deja Vu 
uh, is a similar thing where he, <laughs> it's similar to Minority <laughs> Report where there's like a, a, a memory or some sort of precog vision of some disaster that people have to prevent from happening in the real world. Sorry, I'm just laughing at your pun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Still, <laughs> I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to mention the movie Deja Vu <laughs> on our podcast, Movie Deja Vu. <laughs> oh my God. Can we? Uh, done. I'm done. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. <laughs> there. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> did we like these movies? I'm yes. going to say yes. For very different reasons, I like both of these movies a lot. Would we watch them again? Yeah. Minority Report is a great, excellent movie, expertly crafted. I probably wouldn't watch, I would not choose to watch it again because it is pretty long. And despite being so expertly crafted, it's like not one of my favorite Spielbergs at all. I could probably rattle off 20 Spielberg movies I like more than this. I probably won't watch it again without a motivation for it. I will rewatch Paycheck all the time now. (laughs) It's my new favorite bad movie. Would we recommend them? See, now for that reason, for it being long, I like watching it on like kind of shitty days when it's like, mm. when the weather's not right and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could want to be that. like cozy on a couch, maybe take a nap a little bit. Yeah. Fine. I mean, it's also a really good movie. And if you haven't seen it already, sorry to spoil it all the time, yeah. but like, you know what you're in for at this point with us. Um, it's somehow one of the most praised movies of the 21st century so far and still I feel like it's underrated yes yeah um and then much like Shady I'm going to recommend Paycheck if you like bad movies it is a bad it there's nothing like (laughs) good about it like I said hopefully How Did This Get Made did not cover this movie by the time this episode comes out this was the type of movie that the longer it went on, the more I just questioned every single choice that was made. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, that's so interesting that this is what they thought of. This. This, this. is the final take? <laughs> this made it to the movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Minority Report, I will recommend to anyone. It's a great, solid, four-quadrant Hollywood blockbuster type that's also like really, really smart and really well crafted for the most part i think some people have issues with the ending because it does get a little sentimental it's it's too happy ending yeah i like it whatever sue me i like a happy ending and finally are they actually the same i'm gonna let you go first with this answer (laughs) i kind of want to say they're not but only because of the massive gulf in um quality (laughs) <laughs> I think if uh, both of them were more closer to the mediocre edge of the scale, they might be like a little too similar for me to even differentiate them. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes! I was hoping you would so I wouldn't feel as crazy. I'm going to say yes. I, I'm, I'm definitively, it's a hard yes on my end. No questions. <laughs> They have enough, Ooh. there are differences, but like, what? What are you going to say? Yeah. I just thought of another similarity, super stupid, but Aaron Eckhart played Harvey Dent slash Two-Face in a Batman movie, and Colin Farrell is playing the Penguin in an upcoming 
Batman movie. So both of them have villains. Batman Batman thing. It's called a callback, John. Fine. You always do this and it's great. (laughs) But if you want to talk to me about the Batman, you can tweet me (laughs) at MoviesJohn. That is, again, John with no H. If you would like to tweet me about also the Batman, I guess. <laughs> uh, you can tweet me at Cookie O'Shady. It's spelled like it sounds. Uh, and then if you want to argue with us that, well, if you want to argue with me, give it a, <laughs> a hard yes. These two are the same movies. I'm really glad you did because mine was like a soft yes that I tried not to make a yes <laughs> because I was a coward. Nope, they're the same, cut and dry. <laughs> they're uh, the same. The difference is quality. The difference is quality, yes. <laughs> but they're the same <laughs> movie. Um, you can email us, the podcast, at moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. You're welcome. I did not speed myself up. That was all me. Um, <laughs> we're also on Facebook and Instagram at movie deja vu pod same spelling Mm -hmm. uh 20 episodes guys you should know how to spell it plus (laughs) if you subscribe to us on whatever platform yeah uh, please leave us comments we like them um we do uh you You should know how to spell our yes our name you can also tweet us but on twitter we're just at movie deja vu we didn't add the pod because our memory machine stole it? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. They and scooped it. They scooped it out. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, <gasps> Shady. Yeah. We're doing Christmas movies. Oh my God. Uh, we're Christmas talking, time. we're doing another melee. Oh, four movies this time. We're going to be talking about Different versions of A Christmas Carol, Scrooged versus A Diva's Christmas Carol versus Barbie and A Christmas Carol (laughs) versus Hallmark's A Nashville Christmas Carol. (laughs) I'm so excited. Let's talk. I'm very, I'm very excited. Um, This is going to be so fun. (laughs) I'm really glad that those are the four Christmas Carols we're doing. Of, of all course, of the hundreds of Christmas carols that exist. Well, of course, we have to do a Hallmark one. We have to. We haven't done Hallmark yet. I'm surprised at us. Shame I us. am too, actually. Uh, so with that, Shady, my watch is telling me go, 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 go. So, <laughs> run! Run!